Welcome to Social PR Secrets, the podcast. My name is Lisa Beyer, and I will be your host. In today's episode, I interview Krista Neer. She is the CEO of Bootcamp Digital, where you can receive a certification in digital marketing and more. In this episode, Krista and I share social PR secrets on using Pinterest and Instagram as part of your social media and PR strategy. Okay, and welcome back. We're now talking to um, Krista Neer. This is part two of visual social media marketing, and we're going to zero in on a couple specific networks when it comes to visual social media. We're going to talk about Pinterest and Instagram. Hey, Krista. Hi, thanks for having me. Thanks for coming. So when it comes to some of this, the visual social media networks, um, I mean, it's really, I mean, it's really easy to jump right in because it seems so sexy and so cool. So um, how does a business decide, for example, let's start talking about Instagram. When is Instagram right for a business? I think really with any social network, the first question is, is your audience there, right? So you don't need to beat them there or, you know, unless you've done everything else perfectly and you just have more money to spend, um, there's really not a good reason to like leapfrog your clients somewhere. You know, a good example, if you look at General Electric, for example, they're on every social network. They do a great job, but... I don't think Instagram was their first priority, right? First they nailed Facebook and all this other stuff, and now they're like, oh, let's do Instagram. It'll connect us with a younger audience. Um, I think for a smaller medium business, though, if you're not targeting the under 35 audience, you know, Instagram would not be my first choice. You know, if I was targeting men, Pinterest would not be my first choice. So it's really about are your customers there. Right, right. And so you say um – dedicating resources and justifying the cost. So in essence, Instagram and Pinterest are free to join, but talk about some of the resources that needs to get taken into consideration when you're looking at joining Instagram or Pinterest. So it's about time, consistency, and and your ability to actually build community, right? Look, here's the thing. At the end of the day, if I wanted to just get my company on Pinterest or Instagram, it's relatively easy. I could do that in 30 minutes, right? I could just take a picture of something every day. It would suck. But, you know, so these are social networks where the barrier to join is low. It's not as hard to set up as Facebook, especially as Facebook used to be. You can set up your accounts real easily. You can post stuff to them really easily. You know, in about 30 seconds a day, you could take a picture of something or post something to Pinterest. The reality, though, is you're going to get out what you put in. And this was something that I thought was really interesting because it kind of links back to social media 101 and what you used to tell people at Twitter in, like, 2008, which was if you want people to pay attention to you, pay attention to them, right? So on Instagram, a lot of the businesses that are successful aren't just on there taking and posting pictures. They're liking other photos, commenting on photos, finding interesting people to follow, picking up on the hashtags. So you need to have the time to build community there as well um, if you ultimately really want to be successful at it. And can you give us some examples of successful brands that are using Instagram that you think are doing a good job and that it is a good match and they have built community? Yeah, so um, a couple really interesting examples. A company I worked with, I built a social media strategy for them a year ago. They're called Project Blue Collar, and they're about changing the perception of rescue dogs. So it's a really sweet you know, fuzzy and warm kind of thing. But anyways, here's what's interesting. So they've been on Facebook for a long time, hugely successful. They have over 30,000 Facebook fans, 100% organic, um, doing great for them. They joined Instagram 
and they spend time, they do spend time looking at who are they talking to and having dialogues and stuff, but um, their Instagram following is maybe 10% the size of their Facebook following, so they have maybe 3,000-ish uh, people who follow them on Instagram. When it comes to driving action, so if they have like a new product or they want people to sign a petition or whatever it is they would want someone to do, Instagram does a better job at driving action for them than Facebook does. Interesting. Yeah, it's, it's a very engaged community where Facebook, I think, is becoming a little more passive. Like, Facebook people will like their status updates. They get a ton of likes. People will share their content, but they won't go and do something else, whereas they find Instagram is really good at driving action. So when you say driving action, so what, what would be some examples of when you know that Instagram is actually um, successful? So how does that, how is that defined? Yeah, so here's the thing. Instagram's super tricky because you can't put clickable links in Instagram. And so let's say I wanted people, to, let's say we came out, you know, Project Blue Collar, they might have a new t-shirt design and they want people to buy their new t-shirt. Well, they can't put a clickable link in the tweet. They have to say, go to our website and check out the t-shirt. And so it's not directly traceable because you can't track clicks. But what they found is that they can see a clear correlation between promoting something on Instagram and action being taken. Um, you know, another really interesting example is a business called Coil Wholesale. They sell uh, wedding and event supplies to the public and to event planners. But they do really neat stuff on Instagram. They'll post something that they're thinking of carrying. So, like, maybe it's, you know, some kind of cool centerpieces and they'll say like hot or not love it or leave it and the Instagram community is like yeah that's so awesome and so it's bringing people into the process and really engaging them and uh, they've been wildly successful with it okay that's a great example so just moving on to Pinterest now I mean I've, I've been on Pinterest since day one I love it but I have to not spend every day on it because it just doesn't make sense for me to do that but for a lot of businesses it does so tell us about when it makes sense for for businesses to be on Pinterest so there's a couple things I like about Pinterest. The first is your content on Pinterest is not timestamped. So if I go to your Facebook page, I could immediately see if you've ignored Facebook for three weeks. If I go to Pinterest, I actually can't tell the last time you posted anything. So one of the things I like is there's less pressure. You could definitely set up some stuff and spend less time investing in it and still get some results. Um, where I think Pinterest is actually really cool that most people don't think about is using Pinterest as like a resource guide, right? So for example, um, we make a lot of infographics and people would ask us about our infographics and I used to say, go to our website and search infographics. And it's actually a terrible experience. It shows them every time the word infographic is used. <laughs> now we have a Pinterest board. When we do our boot camps on the road, uh, like we're doing our Chicago boot camp next month, we have a Pinterest board set up for the Chicago boot camp and it's a Pinterest places board. So we pin marked where the conference hotel is and where the event is and some things they might want to do while they're there. So we're using it not so much as a more advertising-y social media tool. We don't use it to like necessarily expand our reach and bring people back to our website. We use it as a way to be a resource and we use it as a service to the people we connect with. That's awesome. And the other example that I like, we use this in our conferences, is that if you don't have time to even set up a Pinterest account, if you're a business, how you could use Pinterest to your advantage by just having the pinnable, in, pinnable images on your website. So if you could share a little bit about that. 
Yeah, so the, so Pinterest can be one of the top sources of traffic to a website. Um, and there are a number of sites that will say Pinterest is not only their top source of social traffic, but it sells more than any other social network. So it can be really powerful, but if you don't have proper images on your site, people can't pin it. And what I would encourage you to do, and this isn't just about Pinterest, this is about Facebook too. What I would encourage you to do is think about all the stuff on your website that you might want someone to share, Go to Pinterest, see what images Pinterest allows someone to pin. If you don't have good images, your content is not shareable anymore. And I think web designers need to evolve their thinking because they think about, does this page need an image? It's not about whether the page is going to look prettier or be more functional. It's that it's not shareable without an appropriate image. And uh, one of my favorite examples of this done well is Starbucks. You know, if I had a Pinterest board of pumpkin stuff I love, I can go to Starbucks's website and actually find the pumpkin spice latte and pin that exact latte with the picture of the pumpkin spice latte to my Pinterest board. Most businesses don't have a website set up that way. So if I wanted to pin like my local, local coffee shop, if I wanted to pin their pumpkin spice thing, I would just be pinning their logo, which is less relevant. So it's less likely that I would share that. So I guess the bottom line with that is make sure that your website or blog is social friendly when it comes to visuals. Yeah, especially if you want people sharing your stuff. So one quick example. I went to Pinterest. This was a big part of why I got into this whole visual mindset. I went to Pinterest and I saw that uh, someone had pinned a picture of me and that made me uncomfortable. Um, I'm like, why are you pinning my face? And anyways, she wanted to pin a Google Plus report from her website and the page didn't have a picture of the report. It had a picture of me. So, you know, she still pinned it. Most people would have said, hey, I'm not going to pin it. There's no good picture. But she pinned it with an irrelevant picture. So probably no one's clicking on it. And, you know, whether it's a press release, any news that I have going on, or even my products, if they don't have great pictures, it's hard for people to share your story. Makes sense. Okay, so Krista, one final question. Actually, I might have two, but the next question is, what are some trends that we should be on the lookout for when it comes to visual social media marketing? The, I think the biggest thing is, like, mediocre crap doesn't cut it anymore. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And that sounds like weird to say, but here's the thing. So I was talking about this to a group recently and like two years ago, even if you went to Mashable's website or any big website, everyone was saying from the beginning of blogging, everyone would say you need a picture with your blog post. And if you go and look at what Mashable was doing, even two years ago, a good picture would be like, I would write a blog post called top 10 tools for social media. And I would just find a picture of a toolbox. Or I would find a bunch of social media icons, right? Or if I was writing a blog post on Instagram, I would put Instagram's logo there. Yeah. They've always said every blog post needs a picture, so it would have a picture. Um, but they sucked. I mean, really, for, for today, yeah. they now you need really good pictures. It needs to stand out in the newsfeed, drive people's attention in, and you really need to be spending, you know, just as much time on your image as the rest of your content because that's going to that's gonna impact your shareability and whether or not people click on your stuff when they see it. Okay, awesome. Thanks. And then any last words of wisdom for the future social media managers? Yeah, I think, you know, to me, the biggest thing is that having great pictures, there used to be a barrier to entry here, right? It used to be the guy who could hire a professional photographer, or it was somebody who could afford to pay hundreds of dollars a picture for stock pictures. That's not the case anymore. Even Instagram photo, you know, one of the things I love that I've seen in social media over the last while is 
Instagram photos, like any idiot, like I can take good Instagram photos. I have no creative sense, right? Instagram photos do better right now in most instances than professional photos. So I think the exciting thing is that there really is no excuse to not be doing this stuff. There used to be a lot of barriers, but now, you know, even a boring IT company, no matter what your business is in, there's enough inspiration and the barriers to entry are so low. So you need to just do it and stop. You know, I find a lot of businesses are still in the making excuses phase. We don't have pictures, blah, blah, blah. You can get in, get this stuff going. It's one of the biggest things I think that'll increase the results and effectiveness of the rest of your online marketing. Okay, awesome. And so where can we follow you on social media? What's the best network and, and what's the address? Uh, well, I use all social networks. I'm a very open networker, so you can connect with me on any social network. My Facebook profile is actually 100% public, um, but I'm my name on every social network, so I'm at Krista Nair, K-R-I-S-T-A-N-E-H-E-R, on uh, Twitter, Instagram, Pinterest. You can find me on LinkedIn by searching my name. I'm on Facebook as well, and I would love to connect with you on any of these platforms. Okay, great. Thanks, Krista. Thanks for having me. Thank you for listening to this episode of Social PR Secrets. If you like what you heard, check out the book on Amazon or follow our blog at socialprsecrets.com. This episode was sponsored by The Buyer Group, a social PR agency striving to keep our balance in the digital world, practicing public relations, social media, and search marketing, while occasionally drinking a glass of wine or two for the best creativity and results. Thank you all for tuning in. If you would like to get a free chapter of Social PR Secrets, go to socialprsecrets.com slash free.